If one looks at the animal kingdom, one thing that stands out is that human beings are one of the few species in which fathers form a significant bond with the offspring that they sire. By contrast, the mother instinct is widely reflected in the animal kingdom. How many mothers, for example, refer to themselves as a mama bear because of how protective they are of their children? But fatherhood, as we understand it, is more elusive when looking beyond man. That's one way in which we can understand the idea that God created mankind in his own image. He gave the human species the possibility of experiencing fatherhood in a natural way, perhaps as a sign of the reality of God's ultimate fatherhood of the human race. We recall the words of St. Paul to the Romans. Ever since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes of eternal power and divinity have been able to be understood and perceived in what he has made. From what I can see, there is a moment in time in which every man who becomes a father undergoes a kind of reality check. This applies to both natural as well as spiritual fathers. In the case of natural fathers, however, that moment comes when his first child is born. I've seen it or heard it described so many times. It's that moment when a father looks for the first time on his newborn son or daughter, and he realizes that now this is for keeps. It's no longer practice, it's game time. That from that moment forward, that child will, for, will forever look upon him as his or her father. Even undertaking the vocation of marriage probably wasn't quite the same for him. The consequences of a failed marriage without children are certainly sobering, but not quite existential like the possibility of failure in raising a child. Everything that that man does from that point onward is going to leave an imprint upon that child, whether for good or for ill. Our Lord said in the gospel, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. On one level, that can sound like a winsome invitation. Undertake the hardship of the cross in exchange for the rewards of heaven for eternity. But it's also the case that declining this invitation to the cross does not mean that one can just sit safely on the sidelines. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Once a man becomes a father, fatherhood itself cannot be escaped. He can no longer make the choice not to be a father. For the choice not to engage in fatherhood or to engage in, in a half-hearted way is simply being a bad father. In the book of Exodus, it says that the Lord brings punishment for the sins of men onto their children and their children's children down to the third and fourth generation. Many people recoil at this as though it suggests that God punishes innocent children for the crimes of their father. But in fact, it's simply a common sense statement about the reality of sin. God has created a system in which children are born by the procreation of their parents and require the nurturing of a family. God gives men and women this gift so that they can participate in God's creation. Something that even the angels can only look upon with wonder for they have no such hand in perpetuating their own race. And so, of course, it's the case that when something goes wrong in that system, when, for example, there is a bad father, that the effects of his sin will be visited upon his children and his children's children, and so on and so forth. Family wounds are often multi-generational. 
and they often start with the father. I remember my own dad, who was certainly a good father, but had what we call a Sicilian temper. After I received a chewing out for something that I'd done, for which I certainly deserved to be chewed out, sometimes even my mom would recognize that my dad's words had gone a little too far. And she would console me with, your dad doesn't mean to get so angry, it's just the way his father treated him. We intuitively recognize the great consequence of good and bad family dynamics and the way in which they reverberate throughout the family, but also outside of it, down into, out into the world and down through the generations. And while we, we remember that God's grace can make all things new, we must also remember that the exercise of fatherhood has consequences for the salvation of so many. As the compendium of the church's social doctrine teaches, Fatherhood and motherhood represent a responsibility, which is not simply physical, but spiritual in nature. Indeed, through these realities passes the genealogy of the human person, which has its eternal beginnings in God and must lead back to him. As Christians, we have no choice but to embrace the cross. Trying to escape the cross in this life will not escape judgment in the next, for whoever wishes to save his life must lose it. In the same way, no parent, and it may be fathers who are most tempted in this regard, can evade the responsibilities of parenthood. The family is an institution that exists only in this life, not in the next. Recall that our Lord says, at the resurrection, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. Yet it's also the case that the love and unity which God intends for the family is perhaps the closest icon that we have in this life to the life of the Most Holy Trinity. Although the persons of the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are co-equal and co-eternal, Thomas Aquinas taught that it's God the Father who is the principium, meaning the principle or the foundation of the Trinitarian mystery. I think this is true of families as well. Where fathers are strong, families are strong. Where a father loves, the family loves. As we celebrate Father's Day, Pray that the Holy Spirit dwells in the hearts of all of the fathers in our parish. Pope John Paul II, now St. John Paul II, had this to say to us about fathers. Love for his wife as a mother of their children and love for the children themselves are for the man the natural way of understanding and fulfilling his own call to fatherhood. Above all, where social and cultural conditions so easily encourage a father to be less concerned for his family or to be less involved in the work of the education of his children, efforts must be made to restore socially the conviction that the place and task of the father in the family is unique and irreplaceable. As experience teaches, the absence of a father causes psychological and moral imbalances and notable difficulties in family relationships, as does, in contrary circumstances, the oppressive presence of a father, especially in those places where there still prevails the phenomenon of machismo, or a wrongful superiority of male prerogative which humiliates women and inhibits the healthy development of family relationships. And he continues, in revealing and in reliving the very fatherhood of God on earth, a man is called upon to ensure the harmonious and united development of all the members of his family. He will perform this task by exercising a generous responsibility for the life conceived under the heart of the mother, 
by a more solicitous commitment to education, a task he shares with his wife, and by work which is never a cause of division in the family, but which promotes its unity and stability, and by the means of a witness that he gives of an adult Christian life, which effectively introduces children into the living experience of Christ and his church. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.